Our scripture this morning comes from two different places in the Bible. First, Exodus, the second chapter, verses 2 and 3. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. And then our second passage of scripture comes from Matthew, the 13th verse. Now after they had left, that's the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there and I te- until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. As God's word for us this morning. Over the last uh, week, at least week, actually for more than a, a couple of weeks, I have, uh, and perhaps you have also, been concerned about what's going on in the West. As it happens, when I was in Chautauqua, they were talking, uh, all the the theme for the week was the American West. And of course, they set these themes a year or so in advance. So there was no way that they could possibly know last year uh, all the things that would be unfolding in the Western part of our country this year. But as uh, the discussions and the lectures and everything else that took place this week or last week, uh, unfolded. It was clear that immigration or illegal immigration was on almost everybody's mind in some shape, form, or fashion. It occurred to me somewhere in that process that we are people that follow two people that were illegally born. The mere accident of their birth or the intention of their birth was illegal. In the case of Moses, the uh, progression that, that led to him being declared as illegal as an infant started centuries earlier when Joseph's family immigrated to Egypt, to escape drought, to escape famine, to seek a better life. And they were received, and they settled in Egypt, and they began to grow. The clan began to grow. Hebrews began to grow. They built great cities on behalf of the Egyptians, on behalf of Pharaoh, Pithon and and Ramses, two great ancient cities. They continued to multiply, so much so that Pharaoh's advisors went to him with this concern. 
expressed in the first chapter of Exodus. The Hebrews are becoming too strong. There are too many of them. Their birth rate is too high. If we were to face some kind of crisis, if somebody were to invade us and the Hebrews decided to go on the other side and fight against us, we could not prevail. There are too many of them. We need to do something about this problem. And Pharaoh, uh, hearing the concerns that were expressed, decided that the best way to handle the problem was to get in touch, to, to bring the Hebrew midwives in and give them instructions to kill any Hebrew boy that was born. Girls were fine, but if a Hebrew boy was born, the midwives were to kill that child. Well, the two midwives, the several midwives that Pharaoh talked to, didn't seem to think that that, that was a very good idea. In fact, they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh, and they couldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. They just ignored the order. In the process, Pharaoh noticed that Hebrew boys continued to be born and continued to be raised. So he called the midwives back in. What's going on? And they came up with a very creative explanation. Well, the Hebrew women aren't like Egyptian women. Hebrew women are a lot stronger. And Hebrew women can deliver these babies on their own. They've already delivered before we can even get there. We don't even have a chance to do what you told us to do. They've already had the babies. Pharaoh, considering the problem, came up with an even more gruesome kind of solution. He told his army, his soldiers, his police force, a way to control the population, a way to deal with this problem. Any child that's born, any male child that's born, you're to throw in the Nile River. Girls are fine. Throw the boys in the river. And that leads us to Moses and the story of his birth. The mere fact that he was born was illegal. The Egyptians were trying to control the population, the immigration that had caused them so much trouble. We had a similar experience. We've had several, more than one experience in this country with that. In 1880, uh, during the presidential election, the election that James Garfield won, one of the issues was Chinese immigration. And the solution, the one thing the candidates agreed on was that immigration, continued immigration from China was a bad idea. Uh, the Chinese had done you know, what we needed them to do earlier out in, the, out in the West. They'd helped with the railroads. They'd lost countless numbers of lives as a, as a, a, a product, as a, uh, a consequence of working on those railroads. The railroad was finished. 
north and south, or, or east and west, had joined together, and we didn't need that many Chinese working on the railroads anymore. And we were fearful. Uh, the Chinese were too great in number. So the one thing that both candidates knew that they had to say if they wanted to get elected was that Chinese immigration had to stop. And both of them advocated banning immigration, a ban that we did enact as a country. Moses was born illegal. His mom, trying to save his life, and we romanticize this. Oh, Moses' mom, she put him in that little basket, and it had soft blankets in it, and his sister was there to watch, and she tucked him safely in the basket and put him in a river. And somehow we've tamed that story uh, so that we miss how traumatic it was for that mom to have to make that choice. A number of years ago, there was a movie called Sophie's Choice. Some of you may have seen it. It was one of Meryl Streep's earliest movies. And Sophie's, his film context is World War II. Sophie's Jewish. She has to make a decision on a platform. Uh, she's confronted by German uh, military. You've got to make a choice. Which child do you want to live? Her baby or the older child? She agonizes. You can't even imagine having to make that kind of choice. Of being forced to make that kind of choice. Which child lives? Knowing the other child's going to die. Which one uh, can I give the best chance to? And she makes that choice. Can you imagine putting a child, your child, your grandchild in a basket in the Wabash River, telling uh, one of your older children, just stand on the riverbanks and see, just watch to tell me what happens. And at the point that that happens, Moses' mother is probably just as concerned, just as certain that nothing good is going to come of this. This is her only chance. She can keep him and see and know that he's going to die. Or she can put him in the river and hope that he lives. And we wonder about mothers and fathers that are sending children on hundreds of miles of journey. Perhaps an attempt to make sure that they have a chance to live. And that they arrive at our borders. And we throw our hands up. What can we do? This isn't our problem. We're not supposed to have refugee problems in this country. 
They show up. We throw our hands up. We don't have enough resources. We, we can't care for this many people. It's 40,000, 50,000 people. Children. Illegal. Like the two children that we follow. Moses, the lawgiver. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, our Lord and Savior. Born illegal. Instructed. His father was. If you want to save this child's life, if you want to save him from execution, Herod is going to kill him. He's going to have to kill all the firstborn up to two years old because the wise men uh, double-crossed him, didn't come back, and didn't tell him where he could find Jesus. So he's just going to kill every, every male-born child. Joseph and Mary flee illegally into Egypt with their child who has now been declared illegal by by birth because he was born in order to try to save their child. We're tested at the point of what, what should we do? What are our resources? And that illegal child the one that Joseph and Mary had? Uh, his words echo in our ears. To whom much is given, much is expected. And we somehow think that applies to somebody else and not us. So we can spend almost $2 trillion over 13 years fighting two wars. But we can't figure out how to provide resources to take care of children. We're better than that. We're better people. We're called to be better than that. Well, in this illegal journey that both Moses and Jesus made, God, of course, you know the rest of the story, God used Moses as the deliverer of the people of Israel. Jesus comes as our deliverer, the deliverer, the savior of mankind, of humankind. Born illegal. Our our struggle historically in this country is uh, this is not a uh, a new event. It's a different event. So that makes it new. Do you know in 1936, in our country, Great Depression, the migration from Oklahoma and Arkansas and Missouri, the Dust Bowl, Texas, parts of, to California was so great that the chief of police in Los Angeles took it upon himself to enact a solution. Something has to be done. We have to stop this migration into our country or into our state. So they set up what came to be known as the bum blockade. 
hundred and something, over a hundred different checkpoints in Southern California at the state border to turn people back at the border and say, you can't come in. Children, women, men, trying to find, desperately trying to find a better life. It didn't take too long before that was declared illegal, but the mere fact that we did it or that it could be done gives evidence to the depth of what we will sometimes do to protect our way of life. And forget that we're citizens of the kingdom and that everybody is a citizen of the kingdom. Forget our moral, our human obligation, our Christian obligation. Not to see people, children, particularly as illegal, but as children, refugees, desperately trying to find a new way of life. Parents who risked, are willing to risk the lives of their children because the risk of staying where they are is even greater. Well, some years ago, around the uh, turn of the 20th century, there was a, uh, one of my family that came into North America. The great Eberhardo. He was a vaudeville performer. He was a juggler. Steve Klink said it was probably similar to what I have to do, juggle all these different things. He traveled all the way across the... He described his journey to North America. He described it this way. He was already married. He said, my wife and I came over first class steerage, bottom of the boat, in with the masses. They came to this country and my great-grandfather made his way by uh, performing. Uh, being a vaudevillian. Traveled all the way across the country with my great-grandmother. Somewhere along the way, my great-grandmother got tired of all this, traveling. And she told him, she said, I don't care where we settle. And we don't know whether my great-grandfather, how he came in, whether it was legal or illegal, or, or, or even if those categories existed in the same way that they exist today. I know that he ended up in the United States. But my grandmother, great-grandmother said, I don't care where, you pick a place, let's settle down, and let's raise our family. Let's establish some roots. And here's where I have to question the wisdom of my great-grandfather, because given permission to settle anywhere that he wanted to by his, his wife, he of all places, he chose New Jersey. Now, interestingly enough, he chose Garfield, New Jersey, named after President James Garfield. And, of course, he established and raised his family there. 
about 13 years or so ago, when my mother was uh, near death, I had a long conversation with one of her doctors, a hospitalist. His name was Dr. Wynn. It's not spelled as you would think. Dr. Wynn came over to this country when he was a child from Vietnam, refugee. Came at the end of the Vietnam War. He had become a doctor. I had a great conversation. I talked with him over an hour. When, when do you ever get to talk to a doctor for an hour? We had a terrific. Could not have asked for a better doctor. And I thought, well, in knowing, you know, my, with my experience or having been in Vietnam, knowing in, in personalizing, I thought, well, if nothing else, if nothing else, the mere fact of, of my experience and my being there, uh, maybe in some, some infinitely small way, contributed to Dr. Wynn being able to come over to this country with his family, seeking a better way of life, a safer way of life, a better opportunity, and now he's here with my mom. And I thank God for that. I don't have... Uh, any great wisdom uh, as to what the solution is. I don't know politically how this can be resolved, but I know as a citizen of the kingdom of God that our first and greatest concern should be for people. And that we should make sure that people who show up on our doorsteps, on our country's door, are cared for compassionately, fairly, We should recognize the circumstances which they are fleeing and ask ourselves, is there any way that we can help? Is there anything we can do? Is there any way, faithful way, for us to to respond as citizens of the kingdom of God? I don't know a great deal, but uh, the illegal child that became an adult that was the promised one, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, gives us these words in Matthew 25, 37 through 40. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them. Truly I tell you, just as you did it to the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. God asks us to recognize people. 
and to look in their faces and to see the illegal child that was born to come and save us. The illegal child was born to deliver the people of Israel. We can do better. We can do better. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and Lord, we thank you that you remind us that as your followers, as we have opportunity to help, to contribute, to write letters, to be your hands and feet, God, give us wisdom and direction to do that. Help us to see you in the least of these who you you have called, not illegal, but members of your family. It's in Christ's name. Amen.